So praise God. Yeah, good to be here. <laughs> hey, I don't know whether you've ever heard anybody, you've ever been in a crowd or something, and, uh, and you hear your name get mentioned, and you look around, and no one's calling you, but it dawns on you that someone's talking about you, right? Not to you, but to somebody else. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, a crowded room or something, and there's a lot of noise, and someone mentioned you just can't help. I mean, you shouldn't, right? But you just can't help but wonder, what are they saying? <laughs> well, what's their opinion of me? Not that it should matter, but there's something in, uh, in building to all of us that if someone talks about you, you want to know what they're saying. Well, tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to, um, we're going to listen in our conversation. Now, this conversation, it's not a private conversation, really, although it was a private conversation between two. And, uh, and they're talking about you. And if you'd like to know what they have to say about you, I'm going to ask you to, to lean in and, uh, and uh, uh, listen up to what they have to say, because what they're talking about is incredibly important to you. What they're talking about is the fulfillment of your joy. Now, i got to tell you, folks, we live in a society where people are hell-bent on the pursuit of happiness, right? And, and, and this conversation is all about the key to, the secret to, however you want to put it, the pathway into your joy, to be filled with joy. So if your desire is to live a life full of joy, you've come to the right place tonight because the people who are talking about you and what makes you happy or what fills you with joy happens to be the very same person or the, the, uh, the very same one who created you. Jesus is talking to his Father about you. Let, let's, let's have a look at these verses together. They're incredibly insightful into who we are and what we're about. The Gospel of John chapter 17. The Gospel of John chapter 17. Father, Lord, I just pray as we um, contemplate your words here tonight for these next few moments... Lord, they become real to us. Lord, not just words on a page. Lord, not just a, a, a record of a conversation that may be several thousand years old or a couple thousand years old. But Lord, I pray tonight that, Lord, they'll be here and now to each of us in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Jesus said, I'm coming to you now. He's speaking to his dad. He's speaking to the Father. I'm coming to you now. But I say these things why I'm still in the world. So he's praying. This is the Lord's Prayer, right? This isn't a pray these words or pray after this. This is the Lord praying to his Father about you. He said, I say these things why I'm still in the world, so that, this gives us his motives, so that, here is the reason. The reason why he's using these words, the reason why he's speaking to his Father in an intimate, close way, but knowing that your ears dropping in on the conversation. So the words that he chooses are incredibly important. He says, I, uh, I say that so that they may have the full measure of joy within them. Isn't that amazing? That we serve a God who wants you to have the full measure of joy in your life. How many know we live in a society today that's filled with people who are depressed, It's filled with people who are seeking happiness, seeking some kind of inner peace, trying so many things, so many options, and yet being left dry every time? 
I, I don't know, there could be people in this room tonight and maybe someone's dragged you along and maybe you wandered in here curious. And, and you, I'm sure, know what it's like to pursue things to make you happy. Well, here we have, what, what is so important about this is your designer, right? If you want to know how something works, you talk to get insight from the very one who designed it. So this is what the designer of your life, the person who designed you exactly the way you are, had to say about the fulfillment of your joy. That's what makes these verses so incredibly powerful and so distinctly important. He goes on and he says this, I have given them your word. That's us. He's given us the Father's word. We we understand that. He's spoken over nearly three and a half years. And the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Okay, let's just stop here for a minute because this is really important. What he's saying here is that these people who have received his word, they have... They have perceived something deeper. They have tapped into something deeper. And is acknowledging their pain, living in this world that's, it's, that's incongruent, it's incompatible. The values of this world are incompatible with the values of the kingdom. They're incompatible with the values of the followers of Jesus. The values of this world, and we spoke a little bit about it on Thursday night, the values of this world, everything is about upgrade and experience. Have you had this experience? No, but I'd love to. Have you been there? Oh, man, if you could only have this experience, you know. I mean, if you could only get to a Taylor Swift concert, man, then you would have made it, right? I mean, if you could only get to the grand final, if you could only get and, you know, visit Honolulu, if you could only find your way to Africa, you know, if you could only get somewhere. And, you know, oh, man, I've just got a dream. If I could just get there, then I'm sure, well, I'd be impressed for the rest of my life. It's all about experiences. And, and, you know, whenever you're watching those quiz shows or whatever and someone wins or they're about to win a lot of money, they seldom do, but they're about to win, you know, and the host says, and what are you going to do if you win all this money? And what do they say? I'm going to finance an experience. They don't use those terms, but that's what they say because that's the spirit of this age. It's all about financing another experience. How many know now if you've got enough dollars, you could probably finance a trip to outer space, apparently. I mean, you know, it takes a number of them, but you might be, you know, that's, that's going to be the ultimate experience. You know, have you ever been to outer space? Is we just continue to create more and more and more experiences. Just down the road from where I live, you know, there's Dream World. Some of you heard of Dream World, a movie world. They spend their entire time trying, trying to create another experience to track the people back again. Oh, now we've got this roller coaster and it's bigger and badder and brighter than the last one. You should come back. (laughs) And they know that if they don't create another experience, the crowd will stop coming. Because people are incredibly locked into upgrades. You've got to upgrade your iPad, you know, upgrade your wardrobe, upgrade your car. Who doesn't want to upgrade their house? Some people want to upgrade their spouse. That's a bit of a problem, but you know what I'm saying. But that's the spirit of this age. And what Jesus is saying here, 
is that I've given your word to this group of people, Father. And now their value system and the value system of this world are out of sync. And what's going to happen? This is important. What's going to happen is that the value system of this world is going to reject them. They're going to be rejected because their value system is incongruent. It's out of sync with the value system of this world. But what he's saying here is that what I'm offering them is so powerful and is the key to joy that it will explode within them so much joy that it will overcome the most dreaded of human experiences, rejection. I mean, how many in this room have ever, you know, changed a little bit just to try to, so you don't be rejected, just, just to try to fit in? He goes on, he says, my prayer he doesn't get straight to the point. He's, he's building, the, he's building the, the tension. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They're not of this world, even as I'm not of this world. He's making it clear that there's risk involved. Uh, but he doesn't pray, Lord, remove the risk. And sometimes we can pray like that, right? Sometimes, oh God, uh, you know, can you, can you make my life cruisy? You know, can you make my life easy? You know, if I'm going to make a faith promise, I'd love to be able to make it from a million dollar windfall or, or from a large inheritance, Lord. I don't want to put myself in a risky situation. I, I don't want to be vulnerable. The problem is, of course, the symbol of Christianity is what? The cross. That's right. There's nothing more vulnerable than a man. The cornerstone of Christianity is vulnerability. And he's acknowledging here that risk is attached to this. But he doesn't say, Father, Father, you know, take them out. May they not have to risk. He's saying in the midst of that risk, protect them. So what we have here, we have a, a, a dialogue going on. Between the Father and the Son of God. They're talking about you. And they're saying there's something that will cause an explosion of joy that's so profound, that's so powerful, that it will overwhelm even the fear of risk and the concern of rejection. May I suggest to you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, there are very few things that grip the heart of man with fear more than those two. There are people tonight contemplating ending their life because they're so concerned about their risks or so suffering from rejection. There are very two, I don't think there are two more um, insidious concepts in the human experience than than. Risk, oh, what if it doesn't work? And rejection, nobody wants me, nobody loves me, right? Jesus has acknowledged this in his conversation with the Father. And yet he said, what I'm about to tell you, Father, what I'm about to give them is so powerful and so profound that it will overwhelm, it will flood out the risk and will take away the rejection. And if you're in this room tonight and you say, you know, mate, I, I know what it's like to be rejected. <laughs> I thought I was part of the group. I thought I was an important part of the team. And 
for some way or another, I, I just didn't, I, I didn't measure up. I, I didn't quite make it. I, I wasn't pretty enough or I wasn't strong enough, I wasn't fast enough, I wasn't smart enough, whatever it might happen to be. There's a fear inside of all of us, folks, that that could be me. I, I, I might not be good enough to, to, to make that position. I might not, I might not have what it takes to, to take that role. I might be... I might be rejected, I might fail. He's acknowledging that. Then he says this. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And here is the crux of it, folks. Just lean in right now, because here's the crux of it. Father, I've said this so that joy might be filled. And here it is. As you sent me into the world... I sent them into the world. Did you get that? You want your joy filled? Then be prepared to be sent into the world as Jesus was sent into the world. Then he goes on and he says, we're going to come back to this in a moment. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. How was he sent into the world? He was sent into the world Mighty in word and in deed, folks. And I've got to tell you, what I hold in my hand here and what you've held in your hand over the course of these few days, this is sending you into the world. This is propelling you into the uttermost parts. Why? So we can meet some kind of you know, honouring. Of, of, no, so that your joy might be full. And we're going to do these other things as well, which is great. But Jesus said, I'm sending them. Why? Because I've got a job that needs to get done. I'm sending them. Why? Because there's this huge need and I want to move through them. All that is true, but that's not what he says. He said, I'm sending them so their joy might be full. And when you think about it, it just makes sense. When you take a moment and and contemplate that, how many in this room know that all the great fairy stories, right? Most of the great movies that you like watching, the novels that you read, they're all about somebody saving others. You know, when you're a child, right, the, um, the Justice League, these are not superheroes. These are options for me. Do I want to be Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, or The Flash? Who do I want to be today? <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> I want to be somebody who saves others. I want to be somebody who makes a positive change in the world. It is hardwired into the DNA of every child. At some point, however, what happens, the world system takes over and we move from change the world to upgrade an experience for me. And I just wonder at what point that happens. I just wonder when, when that pressure comes. You see, I, I happen to think that one of the reasons why it's so important to do this every year, Pastor Jack, is because that change to upgrade an experience knocks on the door of our hearts every other day, if not every other hour. <laughs> you know, I heard someone once say the definition of greed is the assumption that everything I have is for my consumption. <laughs> the assumption that everything in my hand 
is for my consumption. And pretty much, you know, I worked hard for it. You know, I saved hard for it. It's mine. That's the definition of greed. When I think everything I have is simply for helping me out. And this is true. I've, I've never spoken to a child. I've never asked a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they looked at me and said, oh, you know, I'd love to have a few failed marriages and, and uh, be a drug addict. I'd like to be a drunk and get done for D&D. No, they always say, I want to be a fireman, you know. I want to, they always want to be somebody who's going to save other people. Why do you think that is? Because it's deep down inside of you. When Jesus said, you want to come to the kingdom, you've got to be as a little child. There's something about a little child that wants to save the world. And your joy will not be filled until you tap into that and recognize that's why we're here. And yet we get sucked into this upgrade and experience. And, you know, those who don't have Christ, those who don't realize the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ, realize this and finish up planting trees, providing food and clothing, you know, doing things to save people because they recognize that inside of them, this little child wants to get out and change the world. You don't even have to be saved to know this. It just is a thing. You know, in Hebrews 12.3, it says, For the sake of joy, for the sake of the joy sent before him, he endured the cross. The cross was full of risk and rejection, ladies and gentlemen. Risk and rejection. Yet for joy, Jesus overcame risk and rejection. Some of you in this room have feared risk and rejection. There's only one way to overcome risk and rejection, and that's recognized as he was sent into the world, so I am sent into the world. And get on mission, folks. Get on the reason you're here. We've been sent into the world. He said that to the Father so that your joy might be full. And yet so many, you know, spend all their life trying to mitigate risk, you know, build up my superannuation. Increase my property portfolio. Save up a little bit of extra for a rainy day because I'm, I'm, I'm leveraging my bets. I, I, I don't want to be in a risky situation. I fear risk. I fear rejection. And in so doing, we lose joy. Here's the problem, folks. Just um, work with me for a couple of minutes here. Here, I think, is the issue. At some point, we brought into the idea... That truth is relative along with the philosophy that says nothing is more important than my personal happiness. And we push commitments to the side of the road if they get in the way of my relentless pursuit of individual happiness. My ultimate goal is my happiness. Mess with that long enough and you're out, baby. You know, I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to turn my back on you. I'm going to leave you. I'm not going to honor you because you're messing with my individual happiness. And everything about my life, you know, sure, I want to, oh, oh, I'm interested, I've got so many people. Oh, you know, John, I'm really interested in missions. Yeah, everybody's interested in missions, you know. For some people, it's just another upgrade in experience. 
You know, I want to experience Africa, bro. I want to go on a mission trip to Africa. I better tick that off the bucket list. I went over there and I, I, I saw, you know, uh, I, I saw what, what, what the incredible work that, that our brother had done and, and I, I experienced some of the local food and some of the local culture. And I've come back and think, okay, well, what's my next experience? <laughs> and he's... When there is no higher cause than my happiness, there is nothing for me to deny my happiness for. And if there is no cause greater in my life, then there's nothing for me to die for. And if there's nothing for me to die for, there's nothing for me to really live for. And I'm left with nothing but myself. No mission, just misery. See, this is the irony of modernity, is we've exaggerated our significance so much by raising our needs so high that no commitment now is worth sacrificing my happiness for. And that's why this thing is so darn important. It's not just what can I afford. But it's what can I deny my happiness for? Because if I can deny my happiness to be sent on mission, right, then I'll find an explosion of joy. Now, you know, somebody once said that if you want to find yourself, you lose yourself. Don't know who that was. Oh, that's right, Jesus. Yeah, that was him. (laughs) He might have got that one right, you know. That's when you commit yourself to something that's beyond yourself to the point that it costs you yourself. That's where you find yourself. (laughs) So to be frank, you guys should be incredibly thankful that you got a leader who's got the courage to get up and do this so that we all get a chance to find ourselves. By committing ourselves to something beyond ourselves and having to sacrifice what is our short-term happiness for our long-term joy. Thank you. I was banking on that right then. (laughs) You know, um, Jesus says here, I sanctify myself that they too might be sanctified. That's Really important because the world is interested in sanctification. Um, they look at us and they judge the whole church thing, you know, they judge the whole kingdom of God thing by what they see in us. That's why that's so important that He sanctified Himself that we too might be sanctified. You know, um, Isaiah finds himself in in the temple one day, worshipping God, which is what he did every Sabbath. And the last thing he expected to see on this particular Sabbath in the temple was God. But God showed up and he was undone, man. He was undone. God came to him and said, I got something for you to do. And he said, I can't do it because I'm undone. (laughs) He said, I got bad language on my lips. And what happened to him is... Not, you know, insignificant or all that unusual outcomes, the self-pity, the self-hatred, the self-doubt, the self-loathing. You want me to do that? I couldn't do that. 
Now, his excuse was he had unclean lips and, you know, I mean, the excuses, they, they uh, proliferate, but they pretty much come back to the fact that, you know, I got self-doubt. Pretty much come back to the fact that I'm just not confident. I'm not sure I can do it. But of course, Jesus, or in this case, God brings him in. And whenever God brings you in, he brings you in to send you out. Let's make that clear. God brings him in to send him out. He takes a coal. One of the angels takes a coal from the altar and it touches his lips. And can I suggest to you that over these past few days, there's been some coals flying all around the place here, touching people's lips, touching people's minds, touching people's hearts, touching people's wallets, touching people's fingers so that they might be sanctified. And as I said, the world is interested in sanctification. They're, they're watching us to see, do you handle pressure a little bit better than others? You know, can you face death and, and have, have still an equilibrium about you? Are you a bit more gentle? Is there, is there a kindness about you? Really what they're looking for, they're looking for somebody who lives their life with an overflowing sense of joy. That's what the world's looking for. In fact, I put to you that most people are more interested in does this thing called Christianity work than is this thing called Christianity true? <laughs> it might be true. I mean, no, I want to know if it works. I mean, does it make a difference? And they determine whether or not it makes a difference by the way they equate, by the, by the way they sum up the people who represent it. They look at you, they look at me, and they say, well, that's Christianity. Look at that. There is an overflowing sense of joy. Man, I'm chasing that joy. I've tried that woman over there. I've tried that house over there. I've tried that job over there. I've tried that degree over there. I've tried that concert, that place. I am pursuing joy, but you just seem to exude it. What is it? And the truth is you can answer it because you say, well, I'm on mission. <laughs> I've been sent into the world as he was sent into the world. Power and authority. I'm on mission because he's on mission. You see, if you didn't know the truth but you cared, there could be no mission. Even though you cared, but if you didn't know. But if you, if you loved, if you cared but you didn't um, uh, know the truth, that then there could be no mission. If you knew the truth, but you didn't care, there could be no mission. But if you know the truth, and if you care, then there's no choice but significance. Could, could you imagine a world? Imagine living in a world where every member was on mission. Where well, I'm there to seek and to save. Every morning I go out on a, uh, on a, on a search and recovery uh, agenda. My antennas are up, man. And this is what my life's about. I'm looking for who I can seek and save because I've got the good news. I have the remedy. You're looking for joy and I have the answer for joy. How could I not tell you if I love you, how can I not share it with you? If I have it, how can I not give it? Imagine a, a world filled with those kind of people. What an incredible place to live that would be. And of course, 
we can create that kind of world. You can be the one who just might be the tipping point to that kind of world, to that kind of church, to that kind of small group, to that kind of youth, to that, that kind of, uh, of family, that, that kind of business. Because I reckon, just a thought for you, I reckon that would be tantamount to almost living in heaven, living in a place where everybody was there to serve and nobody was there pursuing their own individual happiness. I think that would be a place that would just be overwhelming joy. And you and I have the incredible privilege of being catalysts in creating such a house. To be cornerstones in the building of such a place. And as tonight we, we take these little cards, which... Indeed, are manifestations of us going. These are the things that bring, this is part of the joy, part of my going. Now, it might not be all of my going because no doubt you'll go to your neighbor, no doubt you'll go down the street. But when the book of Acts talks about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts, many of you in this room really won't get to the uttermost parts physically, but you'll get your finances there. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So your treasure is now on mission and so is your heart, so that your joy may be full. Can we stand together? We're going to pray. And Father God, I thank you that you created us for mission. I thank you, Lord, tonight that we can be here tonight to celebrate this incredible truth that we've been sent into the world in the same way that the Son of God was sent into the world. Filled with your purpose and filled with your power. And Father God, I pray tonight over every one of these um, faith promises. And I pray that God is men and the women and the young people, the older people of this church. Fill these out and pray over them and give and strategize and, and, and uh, put their heart into this. God, I just pray tonight that your Holy Spirit sanctifies them through that purpose so that their joy might be full. Lord, I pray that your the power of your Spirit meets them, Lord, at the point of their sacrifice and multiplies its effectiveness in the world. And so, Lord, that a, that a thousand dollars, Lord, of, of change that, that, that we might give becomes $10,000 worth of change in the actual end because of the added power of the Holy Spirit to each and every dollar that is given. Lord, if this house gives a million dollars, God, I pray that its effectiveness becomes the effectiveness of 10 or 20 or 30 million. Lord, as you move through us and this exponential sense of your spirit and our sacrifice working together changes the lives of multiplied thousands. Father God, I pray tonight as, as our leaders, um, 
talk about what's, what's happened, Lord, over the course of this, of this week and what's going to happen over the course of this year. Father, our joy would be filled to overflowing in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks, folks.